popping pills and Japanese thrills. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. We've got some big mini news for you. Waka waka waka. Monkey Island 3D, but amazing. All this and more coming up on today's show. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Hello again, guys. We are three again, and um, <laughs> I hope you've you've both had a good week. I've had a very busy week. I was off last week, uh, well, last Monday anyway, for, can you believe it, three days off. I actually had a long Whoa. weekend for Lily's birthday, which was very nice. I, of course, I found myself working at various parts of that weekend, but I tried my best not to. Um, but it was nice. And then this Saturday, just gone, we had a, another open day at the cave, which was marvellous. Always lovely to have people come and visit the cave. Of course, nobody as marvellous as you, Chris, when you came and visited the cave recently. <laughs> Stop it. And I saw you put a uh, you put a little video on your channel. Um, <laughs> tell us about that. You did a little uh, impromptu interview with me, didn't you? I did, yes. I had to suddenly think up an intelligent question because I suddenly thought, wait a minute, I'm in the cave with Neil. I should really make the most of this opportunity. <laughs> and it was a fantastic day. And I can't, I've thanked you that many times, but I'll thank you again. Um, no, no, it, no, no it, it's just, it was just amazing to be there and, you know, to... to Essentially, have a VIP tour to the, of the cave, but VIP access to yourself as well. It's fantastic. It's worth um, it's worth watching Chris's video for the little surprise at the end, which is um, <laughs> impossible to predict. You, you certainly won't see it coming. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're sporting your RMC uh, polo shirt there. Marvelous. Um, so, yourself. if you want to see Chris's. <laughs> if you want to see Chris's video, uh, his channel is 005 Agima, which is Amiga 500 backwards. Um, go and check that out on YouTube. Chris has been, Dave's been to the cave. We just need to get Duncan down. Maybe a Christmas special or something. We can nice. get him down. That'd be good. Um, in another other news this week, uh, we had a cave day on Saturday, and it was the first opportunity to show people around the arcade space, which we're opening up. And um, it's quite funny because the space is just a building site and there's one arcade in there. And that arcade is Atari Star Wars, the 1983 vector, color vector game. Nice. It's probably 95% um, done then. <laughs> yeah, pretty well, much. Well, this, this is it. People walk in there and they're like, it's a building site. And then they see the Star Wars cabinet and they just, their faces just light up from one arcade cabinet. They go crazy yeah. for it. So can you imagine what it's going to be like when it's... 30 yeah. or 40 cabinets in there. Oh, mm. I can't wait to see people's reactions to that space. So that's coming along nicely. Um, and then one other piece of news. Uh, I think it was just yesterday I saw our friend uh, Banjo Guy Ollie. He regularly comments on the show and it makes marvelous remixes of video game music. Well, he made a remix of our um, breakdown a couple of episodes ago, um, prompted by <laughs> the words Daddy Mulk. We're never getting um, away from that, are we? We're never getting away from it. So th there's a remix of the Daddy Mulk um, <laughs> giggling episode. Uh, I don't think he's put it on his channel yet. He says he's going to later in the week. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, and he has given us permission, so hopefully Duncan can put a little exit in. But you think he said Wednesday, so it means that by the time that you lovely people are watching us or listening to us on Saturday morning, as you do your chores, hopefully everything will come together and you can laugh at us again. There you go. So that'll be on YouTube on the channel Banjo Guy Ollie. Go and watch that when it comes out and you'll never be able to look us in the eye or think of us the same way ever again. <laughs> yeah. Chris, how's your week been? Yeah, not bad. Still trying to settle into normal time zones and normal life back here in, in Australia. Um, but um, as a result of uh, the stuff we did last week on so the FPS remakes, some people did mention in, a, particularly on the YouTube comment section, um, about Black Mesa, which I, I'd completely forgotten about. I, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't really show much interest in it when it was coming out. I, I didn't, didn't realize that it was essentially a, a remaster of Half-Life, which is one of the things that I said last week that I would like to see happen. So that's fantastic. So have I bought it? No. Have I wish-listed it and waiting for it to come down in price a little bit further? Absolutely, I have. So um, it's, it's not a bad price at the moment on Steam, actually, so I might just take the punt anyway and, and get into that. That's really exciting. So I just want to thank everybody that mentioned that in YouTube because, um, yeah, it's really good <laughs> to, to get a Where is that there. available? Yeah. Is that is that on Steam? Yeah, that's I'm on just Steam. just checking my Steam library. I haven't yeah, it's got on it. Steam. Yeah. Yeah, you need to add it. Yeah, we all I, need to add it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing with it is that we talked about how 
a remake wouldn't be any good of these games and we we, we, we want just a little bit of extra polish. This is a remake and apparently it's very good. So yeah, yeah just to show it can be what done. Do we know? It's essentially a remaster yeah. in source <laughs> in source engine, from what I understand. But oh, they've made is, some right. changes to the end. Yes, yeah, so they've made some changes to the end, apparently, right. which from what I've read improves on Half Life. Um if if that's even possible. So yeah. Well, that Sounds like came out in March, uh, March 2020, and it's on Steam for 14.99. And actually, now you mention Half Life, um, a, a bizarre Half Life game came to light. Um, if you, I was talking about the arcade earlier. The arcade is being run by a guy, a guy called Alex, who has a YouTube channel called Nintendo Arcade. And in his video this week, he goes and does some pickups. He gets cabinets and uh, meets other collectors to gather things to go in the arcade. And while he's doing it, he comes across a guy called Harry, who has a Half Life. I think it's Half Life Two arcade cabinet. Ooh. And and this is this isn't like some DIY project. This is a legit arcade cabinet that came out in Japan. Um, looks really interesting i'd never heard of this thing before so if you want some some even more obscure half-life um knowledge um go and check out that the, the the channel nintendo arcade just watch the most recent um video and it's in there somewhere yeah dave how's your video your video how's your week been <laughs> um I, I have been uh i've been playing a game which i'm going to no. talk about later on um i um yeah, it's a, it's a nice point-and-click adventure game I've been playing that um, I will discuss later on because it relates to one of the one of the items in in, in this week's show. Um, but I've you, also are you, are you teasing, Dave? Are you teasing your own story that you're going to be telling us later in this show? <laughs> you're hyping your own story. Well, <laughs> either that or, or or I steal its thunder now, and I I, 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 I knock the legs out from under it. So I, <laughs> <laughs> save it for the story. Um, save it for the story. Yes, okay. Um, plus, <laughs> I, I, by the time it gets to my story after your two stories, a lot of people will be bored and will have switched off. Oh, so okay. I want to keep them listening good through, hook. Through, through the good bits. Good hook. Clever. I like it. Um, <laughs> I've, also, <laughs> I've also been speaking to Gregory Nasu, who is the maker of the C64 operating system, C64 OS. Now, we covered that a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just had a, a, a vague overview of it. I didn't look into it in a great deal of detail, but he's he's explained and he's answered the questions that I had about it. Um, it's a, for those that didn't see that episode, I want a reminder, it's a, it's a C64 operating system with a Windows interface and a launcher, etc. Uh, a number of other things you can customize how it looks and so on. But he's spoken to me about something it has called the PRG Runner. And it's not quite the same as WHD Load for Amiga or PP Games for the ST, etc. But it's the same idea. It attempts to deal with the problems that the C64 game may have joystick in the wrong port, multiple discs, directories, mount points, etc. So the idea is it can take a, a C64 game, and it, it can uh, kind of sanitize it to make sure it work, they all work in, under this operating system. And he's talked about how the, how some of the problems would be with uh, the, the C64 can't quite do exactly what WHD load, load does because it can't... Um, it needs any any part of the memory can be used by the game, so it, it can't stay in memory. So he's talked about how that's going to work, um, and it will work by the sounds of things. It will it will do what I asked. It will do. Uh, it will give you a, an operating system and a launcher you can effectively install games onto your C sixty four hard disk. Um, it's going to be a commercial project, and it will be sold in physical media, which is uh, appeals to me. Uh, it's coming out soon, I think really soon. Um, his target was summer 2022, and he says he's busting his back to make that target, and that he is on target. Um, all you'll need for it is a hard disk emulator, in addition to your C64 and a C64 joystick. Have you got a C64 joystick, Neil? Um, I have many C64 joysticks. Or do you mean the C64 joystick from the from the mini pack what, what do you mean no i mean the one that we all got in you on ebay and you didn't oh you're winding me up you're winding me up so there was an ebay listing that came up last week for <laughs> uh, a commodore branded c64 joystick uh, was it the one that was packed in with the c64 or I'm yeah not sure it, it was, was. packing or it was the official it, it looks the part anyway yeah it was not probably one of, one of the I've earliest on ones the that came out <laughs> and um uh, I think you put in a, a cheeky offer of £4. This guy had a bunch of them. And your offer was accepted. So I thought, well, that looks nice to go on the shelf. I'll get myself one. I put in an offer of £4 and it was ignored. And then, yeah, that, that's the one, isn't it, Dave? That Chris well, is I think holding it's white. 
Oh, is it? Oh, it's white. No, oh, I thought I was going to make so it. So my offer was ignored, and I thought, it's okay, he's probably just gone to bed. He'll answer me soon. Meanwhile, Chrissy also puts in a bid. His offer's accepted. I think Pillock put in a bid. Yep. His was accepted. Everyone got one except for me. What? What's going on? <laughs> it's calm, Neil. Uh, mine uh, do you know what? Yet, so it's possible mine have, gone, mine have gone missing. It's my fault. It had a buy it now price, I think, of five pound. But I just thought, well, Dave got his for four pounds, so I'll put in an offer for four pounds. <laughs> <laughs> totally missed out on that. Anyway, going back to your story about the C sixty four OS, it's it's it bears it bears reminding how this show works really in that people submit news stories to our subreddit reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro they get upvoted we see what ones look interesting we we pick them for the show and we really we read the stories as they're posted and you should really consider this week in retro as a, a opinion show really we just share our opinions we do a little bit of research and often the story evolves as it has done in this case it's really lovely that gregory has reached out to us to um clarify and discuss with you further points and, and give us more insight so that's a really nice um outcome yeah yeah so it's um just a c64 a joystick and a hard disk emulator and the most common one is the sd to ide which i thought was a, a a c64 disk emulator just a floppy disk emulator but it's actually a hard disk emulator it's not very expensive and of course you'll need you, you'll almost certainly need a fast loader um, so in answer to the questions that I had when I when, when I talked about this, yes, this seems to be the way that perhaps in a year or two's time, everybody will be using their C64 mm. in the way that WHD load has taken over for, for many people in Amiga or most people in Amigas. Uh, this may be the way that does it. So it's definitely one to watch. Nice. That sounds nice with uh, probably lots of flexibility built in customizations. So you're not going as far as say the C64 mini style slideshow front end. You're getting something a bit bit nicer yeah. that sits in the middle yeah. there yeah nice excellent clarification let's get on with the show shall we so it's time for our latest installment of making absolutely everything into a mini device but i think you're gonna like this one so there's a company by the name of zuki uh that's z-u-i-k-i -I. I think i'm saying it right it's a japanese company i think and it's reported on the website timeextension.com uh, and this story was submitted by listener crg-yt so thank you for sending this story in and in the tweet it's teasing us about a mini version of none other than the sharp x68000 beautiful machine um, and it's a tweet that i think can probably be taken seriously because zuki created the system on a chip for the mega drive mini the pc engine mini and the work that was done on the um astro city mini as well as lots of others so they've got a weight of experience behind them in terms of the minis so i think we can consider this to be for real unless somebody's hijacked their twitter account i think this is for real and um the Sharp X68000 is a lovely machine. It gets a lot of love on my YouTube channel. I'm sure many listeners will know all about it, in part because it's such an exotic machine to us on these shores. It was never available to us over here in the UK. I don't think it came out in Australia. I think it was just in Japan that it came out. And when we discovered it all these years later, we were kind of blown away by the quality of the gaming experience that those lucky and they would have had to have been wealthy Japanese gamers to afford this system back in the day. They were enjoying this incredible experience while we were still putting cassette tapes in our 8-bit micros. Now, if I had to explain the Sharp X68000 briefly, I'd probably just say, imagine an Amiga 1200 or an Amiga 4000 for that matter came out in 1987. It was, it was that cool. It was a powerful multimedia machine. And I've said on the show before that I think the 1200 is the perfect machine for lots of homebrew ports of X68000 games to be made. It's, it's a great, um, there's a great level of alignment between the systems. But that's another story. So in the tweet that was teased, we see the, an original full-size keyboard and mouse. And then just in shot, it's kind of half in, half out, is a white and gray X68000 expert. The machine came in a few form factors, and the expert is the distinctive form factor of like a dual tower case with a handle on the top that pops out. I don't know if we'll get the pop-out handle on a mini, but there's got to be something up there, a handle of sorts. Um, I think it holds up really well as perhaps one of the best-looking machines of all time. The only way they could improve it, I think, is if they made it in, in red with white text. I've, I'm a sucker for a red computer. That could take it up to the top of the list, maybe. Aside from the tease tweet, there's very little info so far, so we can only really speculate on this. Can it be done? Yes, absolutely. 
Is there an appetite for it? Totally. There's a solid games library for it. And yes, of course, the system was more than just a games machine, but let's be honest, nobody's buying this to do their accounts on or to use it for what was the original marketed purpose that you see on a lot of the the box and the, the um, marketing materials, which was that it was a, a graphics workstation. It even had its own version of the King Tut image that we that we saw on the uh, Amiga as well around about the same time, albeit in more colors, I think. So games like Final Fight, Strider, Parodius, Dracula X, Street Fighter, R-Type, Gradius, other classics will all be the order of the day on this thing. And the biggest question about it all, I guess, is will it be sold outside of Japan? And I'm going to guess probably not, but we might be surprised. Dave, you often tell me that size doesn't matter. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I try to make you feel better about things, Neil. I don't want you to be upset. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great way to own it. Um, everything in everything on the, on the the Sharp X sixty eight thousand is is in Japanese, so it avoids that language barrier. Um, the mini looks good. Um, I the one I've seen is the one in the cave, and yours in the cave is in black, and I think the black one looks better than than this this kind of um, almost white uh, one they've got there. So I I prefer that, but it still looks good. Um, mm -hmm. The original did come out in both black and white, so it is authentic in its in its color shades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe they'll come out with with both options. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, and I know that some RPGs are enhanced or improved in it. The, the Dungeon Master and Chaos Strikes Back, for example, are a little bit better on, on, on this. So I've often wondered if it's going to be any if they're ever going to see Sharp X sixty eight thousand superior versions of rpg games maybe a little bit of a translation into english um is this going to spur that on perhaps i hope so maybe yeah i mean there, there are a lot of games which are well they're all japanese exclusives but that haven't been translated so i'm sure there's a vast library of rpgs and things that could be translated over for, for use over here yeah that would be interesting hmm um just thinking about it since I got the A500 Mini, which was the last Mini that I picked up. I have to admit, I've not really used it. I've shown it to lots of people and they've got, wow, that looks really cool. And uh, as a trinket, it is. And as a thing to use, yes, it is. It is very good. But, you know, we often say with these Minis, we're not the market that they're aiming for. It's a slightly more casual market, yeah. you know, impulse buy, pick up and play. But when it comes to the X68000, um, what's lacking is it for me is something that we just talked about with the, the C64 is a, a nice user-friendly interface. So I've got a SCSI drive hooked up and it's a, it's a very MS-DOS-like experience. You know, there's a version of DOS that you go into to, to browse the games. And from a visitor attraction point of view, um, people can get lost. It can be a bit difficult for people to use. So um, again, this thing will have to have a nice user-friendly interface to make it pick up and play, and it would be nice to see a front end on it for casual play. Um, I don't think these things can be ripped off and <laughs> put back on the original machine because they're using the ARM CPU for the front end. But uh, you know, maybe just the sheer fact that it will encourage an audience back to the machine, create more of a demand, maybe it will stimulate some development on the original machine or something like that. And that this all goes without mentioning as well that the convenience of it all because yes, Dave, you saw my X sixty eight thousand, but it's actually out of order at the moment. Uh, the machine itself is fine, but the original Sharp monitor, which is a tri sync monitor with a built in TV tuner, there's a hell of a lot packed into that monitor. Uh, it, it's 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 popped. Um, it started oh no. showing signs of um, the red color going, so everything had a sort of a bluish hue. And, you know, I gave it a slap on the side, as you do, and the color came back in, and it was fine. And then it well, that's everything disappeared. And then everything disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> so it's probably just some dry solder joints or something like that will get it sorted. So that's actually out of action. Um, so until that's sorted, an X68000 Mini would be the only way I get to actually <laughs> enjoy this thing. Um, yeah. Chris, is this is this one on your Christmas list, do you think? Um, well, confession time, actually. I've hardly used my A500 Mini either, um, but I do like owning it. So maybe that answers the question. The X68000, that was the machine you said you'd take from the cave if, if the cave was on fire, wasn't <laughs> it, Neil? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, the the A500 under one arm, the X68000 under the other, yeah. That's right. So I guess a Mini would make that task the easier. The ST in your teeth. Oh, of course, Dave. Yeah, of um, course. Uh, yes, of just, course. Just say yes, Chris. Just or, say yes. Okay. So I thought we were going to just use that to try and put out the fire, you know. Like what about the CPC? 
Ooh. I would. I, it might hinder me if I'm trying to make a rapid escape in a fire. You know, if I if I've got it the wrong way round, it'd be like a dog with a stick trying to get through a door. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you could use it as an emergency slide. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, that's, let's well, hope we never have to put it to the test. What the ESTs for? Um, <laughs> but no, would I get put this on my Christmas list? Um, yeah. What I love about the minis is they're just so collectible, and in fact, because they're often in a limited run, they sometimes appreciate in value straight after that run's finished as well. So there's that to consider. If this was at my local store, then possibly. And if it was a, you know, a sort of impulse buy price, then probably definitely and start building up a completely unnecessary collection of minis in the background, whether they get used or not, that would be fantastic. But if it's only from Japan, then maybe not. And to be honest, my Christmas list, Neil, well, A, I've already bought the Atari Jaguar and given that to my wife and said, that's my Christmas present. So that yeah that, that that's already done and also i don't know if you've seen but lego are re-releasing one of the old spaceships from old space oh. lego i saw that on retro recipes um uh, channel actually um and so if i'm allowed anything else on my christmas list if any families are missing uh, listening it's the lego 10497 spaceship thank you very much <laughs> There you go, little Lego spaceship, fantastic. And I should point out that any investment advice that Chris gives is not reflective <laughs> yeah. of the show. It's just his personal opinion. Definitely not. <laughs> We're not endorsing My investing in minis. Games. <laughs> so um, yeah, this appears to be the next mini that's going to be appear appearing. It was, as we said, rare on these shores. It's exotic. Um, it makes you wonder how many systems are actually left to turn into minis now we're getting down to things like the sharp x68000 but i'm sure they'll find plenty more and you know what we can guarantee this is our pledge to you that all of the mini news as it breaks will be right here on this week in retro we won't let you down guys we will keep the mini news coming <laughs> and if you want to help um help us to keep abreast of those stories submit your uh, your news over at our subreddit reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro to participate in the conversation there's another retro gaming live action movie on the way and no i don't mean in the style of the entertaining pixels movie or the rather excellent uh well the third time you watch it anyway ready player one so I'm talking about in the style of Pokemon Detective Pikachu or Sonic 1 and 2. Um, I mean, I actually quite enjoyed Sonic 1, if I'm honest, and I need to make time to watch number 2. But before I reveal which character is going to be the next live action, or sorry, is going to get the next live action treatment, guys, have you watched any of the aforementioned movies? Well, I've watched the first Sonic. Um, I've got to be honest, I kind of watched it reclined on the sofa with my copy of Retro Gamer magazine. You know, one eye on the movie, one eye on the magazine. Fair but comment. It was fun. It was fun, you know, no no complaints about it. And I wasn't expecting it to be, you know, the next godfather. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy it. Um, when it comes to uh, Pokemon, um, when the first arrived, I remember the buzz all around it. Um, I tried it out probably on an original Game Boy. It never really grabbed me. So I've not had any interest really in the franchise. I'm not invested in it enough to go and see, uh, you know, yeah. movies about Pokemon. So um, no, not seen that. And I'm not really inclined to go and see that. But yeah, I'll give Sonic 2 a try. I might even give Sonic 1 another go just to pay it a bit more <laughs> attention. But Fair I wasn't enough. offended. Yeah. Dave? Um, a film I've seen recently from a game that you haven't mentioned is Uncharted, and that was okay. Oh. Uh, a bit over the top, but it was fine. And I don't know if it really counts, but Free Guy was actually quite good. Free Guy is is based on a game that doesn't exist, if you know what I mean. It's it's um, it's not a real game. Um, it's a bit over the top, uh, but it's a bit Marvel style, but it was good. It was quite good. Uh, but I did take the time yesterday to watch Ready Player One. Hmm. because you kept saying it was good and i noticed it on the the show notes and i thought maybe i should sit down and watch that chris mm -hmm. i hope you forgive me you didn't like it it's maybe the worst film i've ever seen what are you talking um, about <laughs> when it first came out i ignored it and i thought this would be terrible but because you mentioned it so much chris, <laughs> I, I thought i gave it a watch yesterday i, I see i go to the cinema usually once a week so yeah. I, I'll see just about anything. Uh, but I, last, I lasted 16 minutes. Are you serious? It felt like someone... It, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I felt like someone had taken a Battle Royale game and turned it into a cutscene. 
No. Um, <laughs> the, the sound wasn't very good. I, I, to keep turning it down because my subwoofer was going off all the time. It just added far too much bass in. Um, there was no sense of peril at all. It had the heavy-handed touch of modern gaming. Everything was massively overdone. It was kids' cartoon quality. I, I wanted my 16 minutes back. It wasn't remotely visually entertaining. <laughs> it was far too busy, too much going on. Everything went so predictably in the, in the action sequences that I saw. I understand it came from a novel, and I think it should have stayed that way. Um, Steven yeah. Spielberg's Steven Spielberg's CGI is much worse than my imagination, so I hope I haven't upset you. But <laughs> I, maybe I'm just not in the mood for it yesterday with the heat and so on. But at 16 minutes, I thought, no, that's out, definitely gone. You actually haven't upset me at all because, like I said, on the third watch, that's when I actually enjoyed it, which sounds bizarre. But it was a good friend of mine in the UK that put me onto it, and he loved it. But at the time, I was watching things like Hunger Games, and from what he described, that was the kind of the feel, the gritty feel I was expecting. And you've described it quite well. It's more cartoony than anything. So once I changed my expectation, I kind of enjoyed it more. But no, those are those are totally fair comments, Dave. But anyway, the latest video game character to jump onto the silver screen is allegedly, wait for it, Pac-Man. Yep, that's right. A movie about a yellow pizza with a drug problem is on its way, and I can hardly contain my excitement. So this story is brought to us by Just Gavin here, uh, and he, he gave us a link to EW.com, uh, which was penned by Lester Fabian Braithwaite. So apparently there's a deal between Bandai, who, you know, obviously still hold the license for Pac-Man because copyright is a thing, and Wayfarer Studios. And allegedly, it's based on an idea by producer Chuck Williams, who was, in fact, involved in the Sonic movie. So Pac-Man, I mean, it, it was a great game. I loved it in the arcades, loved most of the home ports. You know, you've got a maze, you've got the pizza character, Pac-Man, and you've got dots to eat because reasons, and you've got drugs to take. Um, and there's ghosts to avoid or chomp, depending on whether you're high or not, is essentially what I take away from this. Um, but, you know... It's a simple formula of chase the high score, essentially, and I absolutely loved it. So is this producer Chuck Williams and an array of video game characters going to become the next Fast and Furious? Is he just going to keep churning <laughs> out movie after movie after movie? Maybe like the consistent character will be... Um, who's the... Uh, who's the um... Dr. Robotnik in uh, Sonic. Jim Carrey. Jim Maybe Carey. he'll pop up in all the movies or something. Or maybe they'll actually get Vin Diesel in. He could he could uh, <laughs> parody himself in every video game movie. Um, yeah, okay. Chuck Williams. That's the name to watch, Chris. Fantastic. I like this idea. And Jim Carrey, that, that, that would be a welcome thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, good idea, Neil. I think you should put it forward to them. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the, the game itself, I absolutely loved it. Simple, simple thing. Um, but I do, I, actually, I do recall a rather cheesy cartoon adaptation of Pac-Man in the 80s. I don't know if either of you two saw that on TV. I think it was on a Saturday yeah, morning. Yeah, 1982, that yeah. came out. There was a Pac-Man animated series. Yeah. That was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember I don't, enough about it no. to say. I, I I remember it was just always, every week it was a plan hatched by some bad guy who was in charge of the four ghosts and they always lost and came back as... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Pac family was there. There was like a baby Pac-Man and... Pretty much. Know, Miss Pac-Man and everything, yeah. Well, this, my problem with that, and it's the same problem I ever had with Pac-Land, is as soon as you gave Pac-Man legs, it wasn't Pac-Man anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm well, not... if you look at the side art of the original arcade machine, I think you have legs. That's true. Pac-Man. Yeah. Batman always had legs. Yeah. Don't deny him his <laughs> but not legs. When you're, not when you're playing it. But anyway, anyway, trying to you know think how they're going to turn this game into a movie. What on earth could the plot be? You know, have you guys got any ideas? Yeah, the plot is a very good question. How do you extract a plot uh, from Pac-Man? I've got a book in the cave, actually, which is dedicated to nothing but Pac-Man merchandise. And it's an incredibly thick book, as you can imagine. Everything from money boxes to spoky dokies to walkie talkies. Um, Actually, as I was saying it there, Spokey Dokies, I don't know if they had them in other parts of the world. So Spokey Dokies, well, they probably had them, but under a different name. Spokey Dokies here, we often got in our cereal packets. They were little things that you put on the spokes of your beads. BMX. Beads. Yeah, like beads, beads. And they would yeah. slide up and down as, as the wheel turned. What did you call them in your area? Were they Spokey Dokies? Anyway, that's another question. All of this merchandise with Pac-Man all over it, or you know, packets uh, with Pac-Man on, uh, on the packets themselves, 
So I thought there must have been movies in the past about him. There's been everything else. So I had a little look, and the first that I came across was a short film from 2012 called Pac-Man the Movie, Ooh. originally titled. Um, here's the blurb about it. The government comes to see Project Yellow Sphere and see if it's war material. The general is amazed to see that a yellow man and his abilities... Uh, no, the, the general is amazed to see a yellow man and his abilities and decides to take Pac-Man with him into World War Three. Whoa. Well, so, uh, you know, I don't think this is even like a pizza-shaped man. This is just a man who is yellow, sort of Bart Simpson style. <laughs> and he goes into World War Three with him. And then I found there's another movie called Pac-Man, the movie from 2008. And um, this one was by Roadhouse Films. And the description of this one is as follows. The twisted tale of four ghosts trapped in a maze while being stalked by a giant yellow monster. <laughs> that grab you, Dave. <laughs> um no but I, I just remember something do you remember stuffed bean elf rings a bell stuffed bean elf oh god yes yeah yeah so that was um pandora. i had a cartridge yeah pandora that was it pandora with all these um i guess poorly translated titles of the games so on the pandora which is like um, a fighting stick um like an arcade control panel with a built-in linux system and all the games in there pandora's box we were going through the list of games i think it was on a live stream and there was this game called stuffed bean elf what the hell is that never heard of that loaded it up it was pac-man so they'd obviously they hadn't even translated it they'd looked at the game and gone well it's like this elf thing that's stuffing himself with beans we'll call it stuffed <laughs> bean elf well that that's what made me think of your description there your description there of that that that, that uh, film sounds like it's been badly translated <laughs> yeah possibly mm -hmm. yeah um there was also the 1982 tv series that you you touched on and that was at the height of pac-man fever i mean it's been a long time since pac-man did anything of of note in a video game i know he appears in video games but never never with the impact that he originally had so um turning into turning pac-man into a movie really isn't a new thing and and trying to extrapolate a story out of a very simple video game that would have been made purely in line with the limitations of the technology available to them and just what felt fun um there would never have actually been a story at any point i imagine you know in the development of pac-man so to try and turn that into a movie um it's going to be difficult and um you know that's not new either we've seen plenty of movies about games simplistic games but surely pac-man is going to be the most challenging in that respect um I think only a movie about Pong, perhaps, could be more challenging. <laughs> um, but yeah, the synopsis of Project Yellow Man and World War Three, I think that's kind of fun. And, and I think that's the only way to approach it. You're just going to make the whole thing so completely wild and so far removed from the premise of eating pills around a maze that the whole thing just becomes its own thing. And then you could create a good movie, we hope, without without even having the pac-man name attached to it it could still be a good movie but of course they want the uh, the marketing hype of the license of pac-man so um yeah i'm not convinced we'll get a quality movie but i think the most we can hope for is good cheesy fun like we had with sonic and cheese cheese is yellow maybe cheese can be a part of the story oh, maybe it's revealed that pac-man has been cheese all along i don't know <laughs> pitch the movie to me chris what do you want to see well, funny enough, I like what you've brought up with that original Pac-Man the movie because that's and the whole World War Three character because that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I don't know if you guys have seen the Batman. Um, if you're ever on a long haul flight, it's a good one to watch because it takes up most of the flight. Um, <laughs> but and it's quite slow to get into. But obviously, uh, no spoilers. But you know, obviously, Batman is Batman and he's dressed up as Batman. But in terms of the villains, they're just traditional gangsters really that aren't really dressed up like the comic book batman we've all grown up with they're just weirdos that have adopted names like the penguin and and so, so on and so forth dave the, the batman what, what's the batman the batman is the latest batman movie so the that goes the on for about I've... five hours 
two hours and 56 so minutes. So that's nearly that's three right. hours. Yeah. So that, that's one I've seen then. So when you said, I don't know if you see, you mean the, 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 the new film with Robert Pattinson? Yeah, yeah. The Batman. I've definitely yeah. seen that. Yeah, definitely seen that. That's yeah. right. That's right. I, yeah. I thought you may be talking about something I hadn't seen there. Just just for a second, I thought it was something I hadn't seen. No, I've seen Oh, okay. Seen that. Yeah, Good. yeah. But do you know what I mean by the, yeah, by right. the, the way they've yeah. done the villains? Yeah, completely different to what we've been used to in the past. So maybe we take this idea with, and similar to that World War Three character. So it's dark, it's moody, and it's not about a game character, but maybe about a, a vice cop simply known as the Pac-Man who goes around ghosting drug lords known as Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde for whatever reason um, with some, you know, way over the top uh, over the top john wick style action that's what i'm thinking make it three hours long and put it as in-flight entertainment on a 16 and a half hour perth to london flight and i think i'd watch that that'd be fantastic well chris he's gonna need a catchphrase if he's gonna be like this gritty cop called the pac-man whacka 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 you know, like is he packing <laughs> no he's a I'll pac-man be <laughs> I'll be seeing you. <laughs> the eyes when he's killed some of the eyes. eyes yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Know. Well, suggestions from our listeners, please leave a comment. What would Pac-Man's catchphrase be <laughs> if he was a gritty New York cop? <laughs> Is that or just an action hero? No, no, we've got another question of the week, but I think that's a good sub-question. Yeah. <laughs> What's Pac-Man's catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dave? What would you, come up with? What would you come Can you have one in the cartoon? Um, um no. if they're making a cartoon they're gonna force a catchphrase on i'm sure i don't remember that much about the cartoon other than wanting to like it and not anyway what, what would you do as a movie day for pac-man well it needs a bit of darkness uh and um there's something in the three films that i've talked about that it needs to avoid it needs to avoid going over the top when the action is CGI and it's choreographed so that's just a series of lucky one in a million chances, one after the other, then you're not sitting on the edge of the seat. There's no sense of danger. Films are bad for this in general, um, Marvel films in particular, but but CGI has opened the door for some really bad, lazy films where you, there's no sense of danger or peril. It's just, oh, okay, here we go. We know what the outcome's going to be. Oh, he's just managed to make it onto that ledge. Fantastic. So less is more that way. Um, but I've, I've had a thought. If you think about, if you think about <laughs> games based on, if you think about games based on films, you've got Tron. Ooh. And the film Tron had a lot in it. But it boiled down to one, if you think of the light cycle game within Tron, it's a very simple game, no more complicated, in fact, maybe slightly simpler than, than Pac-Man. So maybe this film will be like Tron and there'll be a whole lot more to it, but the actual Pac-Man game itself will be a, a game within the film. So it gives them uh. gives them scope to do a lot more with it. And they, they're not then bound to have um, Pac-Man with, 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 little, with little arms and, and a cowboy hat on. So instead um, of the maze, instead of the grid, they have the maze. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting that yeah. both of you want to go gritty. See, I'm going to yeah, go the other yeah. way. I think that I think they need to go Gee. like Sleepless in Seattle, a love story, but <laughs> nobody, nobody at any point in the film ever acknowledges that it's just this big round yellow thing with a face that <laughs> just goes unspoken for <laughs> no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, what what I think we will get is. We'll get Ryan Reynolds or some other big Hollywood star doing the voice for Pac-Man while he predictably beats the ghost for a big CGI showdown at the end. But let's yeah. hope for better. I think yeah. you're right. So, yeah, do check out the original story that will be linked in the show notes. Uh, whether it's a mashup of the Batman and John Wick or the more likely modern rendition of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Pac-Man, the movie is coming. Hopefully it will go down like a power pellet rather than being a bitter pill to swallow. My story this week is submitted by me because uh, I saw this and I wanted to talk about it. Monkey right, Island this is 3D. Why you, this is why you were hyping it at the top of the show. You even <laughs> submitted your own story. This is the best story <laughs> ever. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, Monkey Island 3D, but amazing. Now, when you think 3D, you don't think good for point and click, but let me go. We've talked a few times about Monkey Island in the past, and I'm absolutely certain we're going to keep talking about it because there's a sequel on the way. It's such an iconic game for retro. It's the point and click that everyone talks about. When you talk about point and click, everybody thinks about Monkey Island. We've talked about the art style of the game as well. We've talked about why the art style in Monkey Island is, is so iconic. Um, 
they they used um EG, it came out in EGA initially and then VGA. Both the EGA and the VGA are, are, are beautiful. They use dithering, they put a lot into it. And there's talk when the when the new Monkey Island comes out, there's talk about what the art style in that will be because they, they, they can't they can't just go back to 320 by 200 pixel art. Um and then I saw this that we we talked about the conclusion was that we'll get a new art style and that you can't please everybody, but that's the way it has to be. And then I saw a tweet and my jaw dropped. Um, Mousimus has recreated the famous scum bar from the start of Monkey Island, but he's done it in 3D. And this is where those of you only listening to the podcast, because Duncan Duncan will put up the, the little clip. Um, so if you're listening, you, you need to try hard to understand me um, because I, I don't know how well I can explain it. So I don't mean pre-rendered 3D, and I don't mean this is a, a first-person perspective, no tank movement style. Um, and in fact, if you looked at a single frame of this, you certainly wouldn't be able to tell it's in 3D. So let me explain that in Monkey Island and, and in most point, point and clicks, the view is set as you would see it in a stage play in the theatre. So to think about that, you you see all the set and you see the characters in it from your seat, which is fixed and it doesn't move about and you see Guybrush walking around on the set. And in some cases, you see the other characters move as well. The difference here that is instead of a, instead of a fixed seat in the theatre, our perspective becomes like a camera operator with a video camera who is standing in front of the stage and who follows Guybrush around while still staying back to keep that theatre perspective. So it gives you a sense of depth and it means that, for example, you'll see both sides of the curtain that divides the scum bar. As Guybrush is over to the left of the scene, you'll see the left-hand side of it. And then as he moves to the right, we see less of it. And then you start to see the right-hand side as he moves to the right-hand side of it. Yeah, um, it's almost like there's, there's an element of almost like parallax scrolling to it. You know, as he moves around, the, the front moves faster than the rear or, or the other way around. I can't remember which way around is it. The rear moves faster, the front no, the front moves mm -hmm. faster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a bit more clever than that. As you get to the edge of the scene, you know, you you almost look around the walls at the edge yeah. of the scene. It, it's it's really nicely done. This is actually a follow-on story, Dave, to one we covered many months back. I don't know if you remember that. It's by the same developer, and that was when we talked yeah. about the Police Quest game, Police Quest 1, using the same, getting the same kind of 3D treatment and how great that looked. Um, so it looks like they're now building on that original engine, Mousimus, with a something of a bit more detailed nature like monkey island when compared to that original police quest game yeah so um mousimus actually spent a year trying to get this to work he tried he tried a year to get the concept to work and then um around uh christmas time when he had some time off work he finally got it worked out and that's when you saw the the, the police quest demo come out that's when he, he he finally cracked it and got something that worked so the police quest is in in the sierra engine rather than the lucas arts but it's the same it's the same principle and in fact in the sierra engine the difference is more stark you, you see the 3d in, uh, even more than you do in the in in the the monkey island one um it's a subtle effect, but it's also an amazing one. It's not. It's not. It doesn't hugely change what you see, but it, it changes how you feel about it immensely. It adds depth. It makes it look much better. And as I've looked into, it, I've realised that this is what Walt Disney did with a multi-plane camera. Um, it produces a similar effect. And from Wikipedia, it says the multi-plane camera is a motion uh, picture camera that was used in the traditional animation process that moves a number of pieces of artwork past the camera at various speeds and at various distances from one another. This creates a sense of parallax or depth. And that's yeah, exactly that's what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Amiga fans will have shot up bolt upright because I said the word parallax. Um, but parallax is right. Uh, and effectively, it's almost like an infinite levels of parallax scrolling. So rather than an Amiga game where you've got the background and kind of sub background and then the the the, the, the distance, you've, you've, everything has its own uh, definition there. Um, I wish that the enhanced versions of Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle, etc., has used this instead of cartoon graphics. I think this would be the enhancement that they needed instead of what they did. Maybe it wasn't possible, I don't know. 
it, it doesn't hurt the pixel art at all. This this is something that enhances the the pixel art. So Neil, what do you what do you think? Am I alone in thinking this is amazing? Oh, Dave, Dave, I'm really sorry. After <clears throat> after hyping the story, after submitting the story yourself, I went and said the P word, parallax, before you before you got to talk about parallax. I feel like I stole your thunder a little bit, mate. Sorry. <laughs> ruined it, Neil. It's, it's, it's I know, it's just rude. Way. It's just rude, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it's great to see the engine continue to develop. You're right, it doesn't affect the, the, the pixel art adversely at all. If anything, it enhances it. It gives it a new lease of life. Um, and I think I mentioned this before in a previous show. This is exactly what I expected to come out of the new Ken and Roberta Williams game when that was revealed, the Colossal Cave. And that's a game that's still in development. But they went down the road of a first-person VR experience. And actually, I would have been super happy with this style of adventure with the classic graphics, but depth added so that you could play it either on screen or in VR. And you're not going for realism but it's exactly as you described. It's like a theater. It's like you're sat in the audience peering into the room of a, a doll's house or a classic sitcom where they had the sets, you know, where you were, you were filming in um, a lounge. But actually, if you zoomed back to the, to the audience that was um, diligently sat and clapping whenever the, the, the sign lit up to say, applaud now, <laughs> you could see that it wasn't a real house and it wasn't a real lounge. It was just, you know, all the camera had all the space for the cameras to, to look in and film. And that's exactly how this feels. It feels like you're you know, in the audience as a part of an adventure. It's got a real charm to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're not getting that with Colossal Cave, but with Mousimus, the developer um, is is delivering something really promising, I think. And what I would love to see would be if there's a way for it to legally and automatically rip assets from your own copy of Monkey Island to make the whole thing playable without getting into hot water. Um, it's something you do with other engines like Exalt for the Ultima engine. You provide your own files. Um, and it does it. So if there could be a way of doing that, that would be superb. I don't think there is because with a static image like you would see in, in, in Monkey Island, there's n there's no information about what, what's deep and what's not. So um, that's what took them so long to do it. it it's a lot of, there's a lot of effort going into just the Scumbar thing. Uh, it's a collaboration as well. It's not just Mousimus that's doing it himself. He's, he's had help from... Um, the the people who are working on the remake of Fate of Atlantis uh, with the 3D modelling. Um, he said it's an enormous amount of work goes into it and, and that's why, that's partly why we're not going to see a Monkey Island remake. We're, we're not going to see a Monkey Island remake this way. Unless perhaps maybe uh, Ron Gilbert sees this and says, it must be done. Um, but uh, we're not going to see that. Partly because um, of the time involved, but also because it's copyrighted and you can't just take copyrighted stuff and use it without consequences. Uh, but it's it's probably not the, the last time we're going to see this. Um, and like we mentioned before, it's not the first project to use this in a point-and-click adventure setting. We've got the, the Police Quest demo, and the next thing he did was he took, um, he took a, a Sierra-style AGI game called Enclosure from 2004, uh, and he remade that himself using the the, the the new voxel engine, which he calls the RVX engine. So he remade that using the RVX engine, and the results are amazing. Uh, there's a tremendous contrast between the um, between how it looks in 3D and how it looks when he's uh, the original 2D. Um, you can download and play uh, Enclosure 3D from itch.io. There's a link in the Duncan will put a link in the the video description. Um, and I've been playing it. This is the game I've been playing that sucked up all my time now. Uh, about halfway through, really enjoying it. It's quite a good game, I think. It's um, it's set in, well, I don't know if it's the Arctic or the Antarctic. It might not even be those. It might, it might be the north of Canada, for all I know. It's it's set in, 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 in the snow and ice. And it's an Arctic to... base, Dave. It's set in an Arctic base. Arctic legal, Arctic base yeah. legal. Uh, it says you you are Mike Goodman joining a mission to investigate mysterious activity at an Arctic base. Needless to say, horror ensues. That, that's it. Yeah. So you get the <laughs> sense of isolation, um, and it, it naturally works because you can't have too many characters in a, in a point and click game, and, and you need natural barriers. So it, it works quite well. I'm enjoying it. It's nice and atmospheric, um, and I'll probably finish it today if I can. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's got that essential part of any Sierra adventure game, man in a towel coming out of the shower. 
Seems to happen a lot in Seattle. Did you, did you notice that? <laughs> that's right. You got it in Police yeah. Quest. You got it in Leisure Suit Larry. I'm sure that it's in others as well. <laughs> There's not that. Many Sorry, I, I, I was just, I was just on the website looking at some uh, animations from it, and that was the first one it's that good. popped it, up. It's, it's worth a play. It's worth a play. It's free as well. So go and go and go and download it and play it. Um, Chris, you've seen the video now of of the Monkey Island. Does it change your view? Oh, on point and click adventures. Oh, it doesn't change your view. I like what you've done there. That's that's very good. 3D, all of that. Um, but no, it, I did take a look, and this does actually look awesome. It's it's much less static, and I think it would be. I, I would I would probably be more engaged with this style of point and click adventure um, if this is how they come out back in the day. Obviously, not technically possible back then, but yeah, just feeling more part of the scene definitely makes a difference. But, but you'd you'd prefer it if it was an FPS, right? Chris? Yes, it should be an yeah. FPS. Rocket launchers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor Wally getting shot between the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you can download and play uh enclosure 3d as i said from hio um Mousimus expects that the next thing you'll do will probably be to remake another fan game or maybe even create a brand new game in the engine and he did say that the engine will become available for people to use for their own projects uh it's a great little enhancement um it's great i think it's a, probably a lot easier to do it with a sierra style game where there's much less graphical detail than there is on a LucasArts game, but maybe, maybe someone's going to sit and, sit and, and remake Monkey in that way. I don't know. be nice, but I don't think so. Okay, it's time now for our community question of the week. And last week's question uh, was set when I wasn't here, so it's, I'm interested to read it and to read the answers. So the question was, which game would benefit from a remaster, in brackets, not a remake, Everything stays the same gameplay-wise, but the graphics and sound are brought screaming and kicking into the modern era. Any genre, we're talking about FPS games in this episode, but let's open up the scope. Oh, really, Chris, were you talking about FPS games while I was off last No, week? not at all. <laughs> as, a, as an additional thought, do you think games ever benefit from remakes? So the first answer we've got here is from Guybrush Loves Tesla. And he says, school days from the spectrum. I loved this game as a kid and spent many hours dodging Eric the bully and getting grassed on by Einstein, the class SWAT. This game would be amazing for a modern generation of hardware. I know Bully by Rockstar came out a few years ago, but it didn't have the same classic British school vibe. However, I would hope that the original wouldn't be tainted by a poor remaster, just like the recent Blade Runner game remaster. Uh, and that's got four upvotes. Um, I think there was a remake of School Days at some... Oh, in fact, there has been a reply there from mm. Cap Capital Philosopher 42 says there was a game called Class of 99, which was a pretty good remake. But from memory, I think that was quite some time ago. And I think it was still, you know, 2D. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I'll check that out. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess a modern 3D... I guess Sims style, like the style of the original Sims would be quite fun for mm. uh, um, school days, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, Dave or Chris, what's the, the next answer there? Dave or Chris? <laughs> Sorry, I should. I should <laughs> just Chris. pick one. Let's go with Chris. 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 Okay, this is from Mancut. Is he your favourite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. I got him before you, Dave. There you go. Uh, Man Mancusti. Have you I'm got a rude. shirt? Did you get a shirt off, Neil? Only the favourites get the shirt. Uh, anyway, um, cupboards full of them. So, Mancusti, no one lives forever on PC. Not that it re would really require any updates to graphics due to its brilliant art style. But since the rights for the game have been in legal limbo for many years, it has become difficult to acquire the game legally. Also, it's becoming increasingly difficult to get it to run on a modern on modern hardware, so it would benefit from a remaster. That's a really good point, actually, because as these games are harder to get hold of, and it is frustrating when basically you know the, the rights holders either don't exist are hard to find or are just not agreeing to them being redistributed uh, on modern systems so that's a really good point yeah i was thinking that's not an old game but actually it came out in 2000 i just looked it up so yeah it's it's well into the realms of retro mm. class of 99 just for clarification did come out in 1999 it is 2d and i would describe it as looking like school days from the zx spectrum on an Amiga 500 or 1200 or, you know, a 486. It's, 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 it's a definite improvement on the original. Still very much in the realms of 2D, yeah. Nice. Neil, do you want to read the last one? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Dave. We'll give you a treat. You can read one out. Capital Philosopher 42 says, I'd quite like to see Goldnax 
with some amazing state-of-the-art graphics. Throw in an FPS viewpoint option and VR headset where we're at there to really <laughs> blow my 10-year-old brain. Um, I, I love Golden Axe. Mm. love the music. I love the setting. I think it's a fantastic beat-em-up. They've got so much right with it. Um, I'd like to see more Golden Axe, I guess, but I don't know about FPS viewpoint. Um, maybe that's you do a special move and you get some kind of bullet time going on where it suddenly goes FPS and you see something happening. Maybe, uh, uh, um, as for VR, what? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, gold, gold knacks. The, they, they could do more with gold knacks like that. Uh, yeah, um, there have been, the, there the, have the, been plenty of, of gold knacks remakes. There's, there was one on the PS2, which was like the original yeah. but 3D, and there was one called Golden Axe Beast Rider. Um, that was 2008. 1v1 and stuff, and um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. VR, but no VR, I, yeah, you... no VR, <laughs> but no. you know, you could ride the little dragon thing that you ride in VR. Uh, while waving your sword around with the VR controller, that could work. Yeah. Unless you just you did use the VR, you're still at a sideways view, and I have seen this done in some VR games, like you sort of commented earlier, um, where basically it's like a 3D set, so you're still a third party, and you're just looking in. So it's oh, like so it's like you're playing with models rather than a 2D screen. Oh, that's that's how it I feels when you're like, playing a game like that. I'm now thinking of. Um... Yeah. Ray Harryhausen and models yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you're playing with virtual action figures yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That, that could I work. mean, VR, FPS, Golden Axe, it's its all good fun until somebody makes you the elf and all you can see is looking <laughs> up men in leather skirts. I mean, that's what we... <laughs> Thumping you repeatedly. It's bizarre. My mind did not go to that place. (laughs) Marvelous answers to to the last week's question of the week. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We've got a new question now for you to submit your answers to. As always, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro. The question of the week uh, will be pinned at the top so you can easily find it and you can just click in and leave your answer. So the question is let's take an incredibly simple game and let's turn it into a film just like the Pac-Man movie. Tell us your film pitch. Um, Pac-Man's been turned into multiple films from the simple premise of eating dots in a maze uh, all the way up to um, being a World War III super weapon. So what other simplistic game would you like to turn into a movie and what is the plot? Be as far removed from the original gameplay as you like. In fact, the further, the better. Have some fun with it. Um, keep it fairly short, you know, two or three lines, because, you know, if you can't explain the plot of your movie in a few lines, then, you know, you're not doing it right. I'm, I'm pretty sure they have to be, um, I'm pretty sure they're taught that at film school, right, Dave? Elevator I mean, pitch. You're, you're the film yeah, buff I'd here. film school. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you, you're right. It, 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 needs, it needs a punchy description. It needs, to cap- it needs to capture people's imagination. Yeah, so let us know your simple game turned into a uh, a movie plot over on the subreddit. As always, thank you guys for hanging out this week and thank you everyone for listening or watching. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 Agima, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. Podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. and dance with <laughs> <laughs>
been meeting my daddy more. But you get a premium experience out of these things. I remember. This is super thick stuff. More mo, daddy. Did you guys put this in here? I'm sure they're going to be happy with it. I can double fist daddy mo. I just wanted to know I could keep my hand. So that's this week in Chris. <laughs> Did Chris just want me to drop my track? I'm sure they're going to be happy with it. <laughs> <laughs>